Hi, welcome back to Greatest Beats. I'm Ellie and in this podcast I talk to your favourite hard dance and rave artists about the songs from their career which had the greatest meaning to them. In episode 8 we welcome a UK hardcore producer whose career began at the tender age of 15. Rising up the hardcore ranks, he is now one of the most popular producers in the scene with collaborations with Gammer, Joey Riot and Darren Styles on his CV. Greatest Beats is pleased to welcome Alex Prospect. Yeah, so we are here today to talk about your three greatest beats. The first track we're going to talk about is a track that really launched you on the scene, and that was Driving Me Crazy. Now, tell us a little bit about the background to this, because what I find really impressive about you is you became really well known, quite successful at a very young age. Mm. Yeah. And I was quite young. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, even this track became noticeable to people like Darren Styles, for example. So tell us about the background to that, how you got into the scene and how this became the success that it was. Yeah, sure. Okay, so so with with this track, I'd be I'd already been producing hardcore for quite a few years, maybe like three years or something, four years, and then um, with that track, I'd I'd recently moved down to Southampton, just from where I grew up in that London area, yeah. and I was sending tracks to a record label called Thin and Crispy, which was run by a, a DJ called Robbie Long, Stormtrooper at the time. So this is going quite like way back yeah. then. So I'd, I've been trying to get just my track signed uh, there, and I'd sent some stuff to Robbie Long. He got me. In contact with a guy called D-Light who uh, did a bunch of tracks called like he did a really good track called Gypsy Disco that was like quite uh, a big tune like back in 2005 or so this is like a long time ago so I was doing tracks with him and then he had a vocalist called Becky that um, he'd been he'd been working with and the funny story with that is she she like consecutively cancelled the studio date about like for about three weeks in a row, just like every single day. And nothing's really changed because I'm still working with her to this day. And um, yeah, she's been cancelling a lot of studios. So, but it is great whenever <laughs> you do lock in the studio with her, it is, it's always a good time. So we'd done one song together before that was a bit more like a quash, sort of like sign unknown, sort of like quite happy, happy kind of track. And then with this track driving me crazy, I'd um, just got some of the pluck sounds and just, I don't know, just like late, like, last like in a night time just kind of like playing some melodies and chords and just got a bit of a vibe going so and I, I played her a bunch of different uh like instrumentals that I've been working with and then that was one she was like oh Alex that sounds really stylesy like I can imagine that sort of sounds like a styles kind of thing so I was like okay cool you know let's see what you've got for it so she put a few vocals down and at first she had a really good verse but then we're running out of studio time because it was one of those ones where we're like not getting that many ideas or like having plenty of ideas but nothing that was really it and then just as she's got to go oh we, we, we like nailed it and it's and we've got something that's, that's working so anyway but then it worked out quite well because with the chorus um she hadn't quite finished that so where it wasn't done um i had been using a plugin called melodyne recently for like getting a bit more like experimental with some of the harmonies with um with the vocals so for the for the chorus on this you've got the because you're all love da, 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 driving yeah. me crazy uh, 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 you're taking me higher da, da, da. so that was all done just like the actual vocals just because your love is driving me crazy just like that and then all the layers kind of so it was just kind of a fun track where we we're just experimenting with it and um messing around with different sounds and then i, I think what got styles interested in it was because um we'd kind of gone for like the slightly more dubstepy sounds but i think it was more actually in the vocal and and the breakdown really i think it was um something something different and i think you know after um with with this track uh becky was really the one that got it sent to styles because i think she knew him from like i think like back in the day because she's a, like a bit older than me so she'd kind of done a few vocals in the scene before like she did one track uh with hixie that was like quite a 
quite a popular track. So um, she kind of knew them a little bit. So she sent like an email to Styles, and then we didn't really hear anything back for like a few, like three weeks or something. So we just thought, you know, just keep making music. But then, but then, then he got back to us about it. He was just like, yeah, like this is great. I'd really like to to work on it. I was so I was like, I, I, for me, I thought this was cool. But I think like Becky, she was like the biggest like Styles fan. So so that that was really cool, and it was definitely like an interesting interesting you know thing to go and do but it, it was kind of like it was just like one of the many things because i was just kind of focusing on other things and still sending stuff to different labels and um you know d- starting to like chat to joey and people as well so it was just kind of like another one of those things that um you know like help helped um yeah it must have been really exciting though how old were you when you produced when you first produced that I think I was like even like twenty or twenty one. Right, yeah. So those those kind of yeah those kind of ages. Because I, I read somewhere that you were fifteen when you started, but I take it that's more of an idea of like yeah. when you started producing, and it took till twenty to become. Yeah, it took a little while. I mean, but then also also when I was fifteen, I was I was also I was, I was doing like skateboarding quite a lot as well. So it was I was producing a little bit, and but it was kind of like nineteen when I, I started just doing music as my main thing, but. Yeah. Um, I've been doing bits of music before, like bits of producing, but I was doing a lot of hardcore, but like, it was like, it was more extreme than like normal hardcore. It wasn't like yeah. proper, it wasn't like normal music. Like you'd listen to it and be like, oh, that's a bit, <laughs> that's a <laughs> like bit crazy. Like Gabba, so, like a, bit, a little bit harder. Not even Gabba, like more more like, imagine like dance machine music. So yeah. it was like happy hardcore, but like faster oh, yeah. and like more intense. Like speedcore kind of. It, it kind of, but like yeah. more happy. So it was less, not not too hard. It was... Yeah, what's that thing that they put online where they take a song and they just speed it up and they call it yeah, as, yeah, as yeah. an that actual name for it? Nightcore, yeah. yeah. Uh, that, I've seen that quite a lot. So a lot like Nightcore in a way, but actually... A little just... bit, yeah. It was, more, it, was, it was more like that kind of thing. So I think I, I was always trying to like experiment with, with different sounds and then with, um, yeah, with, with Driving Me Crazy. That, But also one of the things I'll, I'll say with Becky as well, what's great with working with her is it, it wasn't... The collaboration isn't like maybe with normal relationship you have with a uh, vocalist where it's you know here, here's the song i've got uh, you know i want a vocal like a female vocal here or a male mm-hmm. vocal like with her it's very much she's very in tune with how the beat how she wants the beat going and it's very much like an artistic collaboration as well because you know she's got such a good vision for like where she wants to take the track so it wasn't it's very much like a collaboration rather than just oh can you just do the vocal on the song and i yeah. think yeah, I, I like to do collaborations like that, really, because I think it, you get the best out of somebody, and it kind of, rather than just t- like plussing your skills together, you get to like times your skills together in a way. Yeah, I think that's the yeah. best way to work, really. I think sometimes, um, I mean, there are vocalists who who do just sing, and that's perfectly fine. And yep. then, uh, but I I know myself that I like to have a little bit of input now and again. And you're absolutely right. I think that's a, a vocalist thing, right? I am so bad. Or I was really bad when I used to do UK Hardcore for saying, like, somebody would send a song and I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll go and do the studio for that. And then, like, two months later, have you done the studio for that? And I'm like, yeah, I think it's a UK Hardcore vocalist thing. I'd be like, yeah, 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 that's getting done eventually. I know. I, don't, I think the thing is, it is hard to do because, like, that is just the way it is for, like, all vocalists. It's not just a UK Hardcore thing. I saw I saw a thing on, like, Example, you remember example the like the rapper singer guy yeah. on, he's in the charts he did so he he posted a thing on his twitter it was like collaborations that never happened and there were just an, it's a huge list there must have been like i don't know 300 songs on there or something and it's all with like big names and people yeah. you recognize but the songs just never came out so it's just you know i guess he's at festivals and meeting people so you know if you if, you know he's just doing it on instagram or meeting people at raves just like yeah i'll do a tune and then you know even if it gets to the stage of them sending something over it's like you know, sometimes it's just not not what you were like looking for, or like the beat was kind of slightly wrong. So I definitely prefer like working with somebody in the studio and like yeah. kind of building from scratch and then kind of creating something like special together. I think you know with a lot of uh, like you know Splice and these kind of websites now, um, where you can get just like download the vocals. I think they're great and I still use them, but and you can still get creative with it. And but I mean, there is something special about actually like locking in. With, with a vocalist especially maybe one that doesn't like know the production side too much as well because then you're kind of you get to listen to it through the years of what a vocalist wants like they don't want to have too much crazy stuff going on like just a simple piano just simple beat and then mm. that's allows them the most flexibility so i definitely think having 
you know, working with real, real humans is is a, is a good thing to do as well. I think so. Like you say, it gives you that ability to be more creative because when you're working remotely, it is easier to work remotely. But at the end of the day, you're given a vocal and you have to work with what you're given. Whereas having that person yeah. in there, and I, I know that myself, I've liked to go, I've been all over doing that. And when you're actually in a studio, you can say, right, okay, well, maybe this would work or that would work better. And you're, you're absolutely right. It is better having that person right there with you and, and it creates something that you just can't get remotely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's hard with schedules as well, though, because there's a, there's a guy I'm trying to um, get in the studio again. Uh, he did, uh, like a track on my on my dedicated album closer a guy called jack ambrose and mm. but he's he's over at, at like a music like a music school like one of the best ones in london at the moment doing yeah. doing his performing arts so he's like super busy but like that would be but i think it's it's great like it's kind of makes it maybe more worth it like if you can connect with somebody that you've, you've had like a, a track that's come out well before and then you can sort of like tell the story with it rather than just kind of just emails back and forth but it's, i mean you know if it, if it has to work that way you know it, that's just the way it yeah, is but, um, it i mean there's a, there's a guy from like trinidad i want to work with as well so that's going to be well, hard to like get in the studio and and, and do something you know? i mean it'd be good a good holiday but that's going to be emails definitely who, just what you're saying there's a guy that you want to work with who would you say is your dream collaboration that you could work with that's a hard one <laughs> if there was if, if there was no object at all like you know you could just say to someone come and do a track and they would do it oh no object uh it would be it'd be calvin harris actually yeah um i really i really like him also he's he's a bit like because he's scottish as well because i'm half scottish as well so <laughs> and he, but he's, he's yeah yeah i'm half scottish yeah yeah so so but with calvin he's like he lives in scotland but to english parents as well so i think we'd like connect yeah. with that kind of thing and then yeah. but also just just because i like when i've seen him in interviews i think i think we'd get on and I yeah. think that's actually important, even though it's like he's also the biggest DJ as well. I just kind of think there's a personality like fit that would work with us. And I think I could play him some bit because some of the stuff I've been working on now isn't like necessarily like hardcore. I've been leaning more into like the songwriting side of it, but mm -hmm. it, it's still dropping hardcore. But you wouldn't you wouldn't hear it. And I think just with the way Calvin works and like his creativity, I, th I think that would be my favorite, actually, Calvin Harris. Yeah. Which I know yeah. is like a big one to say, but it's not just because he's the biggest. It's it's that like if he was not the biggest, I'd probably still say Calvin Harris. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. He's very I versatile. So. He is, I think, and I think I'm pretty sure I heard somewhere that he started out in hardcore. I don't know if that's maybe something, really? that's something maybe, I've, or maybe he started doing little hardcore tracks, or he was there was. Uh, but then you hear sometimes hear these little things, and then they're not actually true. It's just somebody's <laughs> made up, and it's it's grown wings. But I mean, it's like Tiesto well, you, and stuff. People are like not yeah Tiesto. Is it Tiesto or is it Ferry Corsten? One of them used to pr produce GABA back in the day oh, okay. and you wouldn't think it now and so i think that's the same with calvin harris i think somebody said that he had experimented in uk happy hardcore i, I wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised i mean he, he's he's like you know his le recent album he's done is like all like the funk sort of stuff which isn't kind of mm -hmm. what i'd collaborate him with him on you know it's it yeah. more be like i'd actually want to collaborate rather than it being necessarily calvin harris and alex prospect collab it more be like just producing behind the scenes kind of thing like oh here's a vocal yeah. i've got you know let, let's see you know what we can do with it because because a lot of the track like i was saying you know with that example example where he's got all these <laughs> tracks with people that never come out i've got i mean i'm sure all artists that you chat to have got tons of songs that you know nev never really come out for like whatever whatever the reason so but then they're, they're never they're never wasted because you never know yeah. when it will be you always reuse them i find that yeah. Do you do you find that after years and years that you like? Because even recently, I was sending somebody little little bits and bobs that I was deep diving my hard drive, and it was stuff that I recorded, which I don't sound like anymore. I'm like twelve years older, so I don't sound like that now. And um, I was still sending this to this guy saying, "Oh, well, this never got used. The guy never used it." Um, there was a song recently released that has been remade and I recorded it mm. in 2009. Um, yeah, do you find wow. that you, you do that a lot that, that with a lot of really old stuff that you, you probably shelved? Do you ever see little ideas that come out and think to yourself, oh, I could really do something with that now? Yeah, definitely. So I, I have to shout out my guy, um, Defective as well, Tim Defective, because he, he said something like quite interesting recently to me that made me, made me think and he was like oh there's no there's no such thing as old music and mm. i was like oh that's quite interesting because 
and because I was kind of stressing about like oh this kind of thing like having enough fresh stuff for for a set and and but then I think if something's really good like you can revisit it many many times and I think a big example of this you really see at the moment is with that Stranger Things and Kate Bush song that's just Absolutely. like enormous like that's like the biggest song at the moment and if anything it it still sounds really good like it it mm-hmm. it sounds great really and I think that part of it is because it was made with like like hardware synths and, and this but I mean what I'm trying to actually do with my production at the moment is is make um make it so it's long like has longevity because there's like a burrito place I go to in town like in between when I've had studio sessions and it's quite good for like hearing music in there because they play some like older older tunes but you can just hear coming out the speaker there like what's actually important like they played mm. Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana and it's just like yeah. the drums sounded really good and I'm just like wow like I, w- I want to produce stuff that you can play it in 10 years and and it's still, still yeah. which is kind of hard to do because in, in dance music, stuff is moving forward. But to mention Calvin Harris again, that's one of the things that, that he does mm-hmm. do well. Like you can play his songs from like quite a long time ago and they're, they're still sounding really good on, yeah. on in, in the club also on the radio and everything. So I think yeah. that that's one of the things I like to do, try and make stuff that has longevity. And, and also, yeah, to, to your point of like revisiting stuff, like, I kind of think over after you have have had time away from a song, it kind of gives you a perspective on what was actually your best tracks or yeah. what was, you know, what really stands the test of time. And actually, I think you see this a bit with with Styles' set at the moment. Like he's revisited a few of the tracks, like "You're You're My Angel" and "Come Running." He's got a bunch of like new stuff, and then he's got some new songs that sound like they're old as well. But then even things like "Switch," for example, that melody mm-hmm. is from like an old scott brown track but then scott brown took that from a from another track as well so it's kind of yeah. it's what i like to think of it as um almost like dna like musical yeah. dna that kind of like gets all genes that get passed get gets passed on and then you know the trends come and go like at the moment reverse bass and kind of hard styley bits but you know there'll be some other sort of different type of kick that in the future is is the main thing but those those you know classic melodies will still fit over it and mm-hmm. it can get you know remixed and used in lots of different ways so yeah and there's nothing new under the sun I think if you listen to a lot of the music that's in the charts now it wouldn't have sounded out of place in the charts 30 years ago because there's a very big 90s revival in a lot of ways and with the dance music that we're hearing nowadays there's a very much a well there has been in recent years of a, a 90s revival so something that might not have worked five years ago might suddenly work now yeah yeah that is that is very true yeah so this track that we've just mentioned, it was on Clubland Extreme Hardcore, the album. Now that's an achievement. How did that feel to get that when you found out you were um, on Clubland? Because I think everybody has that. Clubland's, I know growing up, but like it, Clubland was the aim. It was like, oh, I want to be on Clubland. And so to get on Clubland Extreme Hardcore is a massive achievement. <laughs> I don't think there's any single you. producer yeah. or vocalist or anyone who works in the UK hardcore bounce scenes, whatever, doesn't want to be on Clubland. There's nobody. If they're telling you they don't, they're lying. <laughs> Basically, mm, I think it's a yes. big thing. So how, how? It was a big thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think that that's the thing with it. it. Like, it was a big thing, but then CDs were like really on the way out by then as well. Mm. So it's kind of it wasn't like I think I think it was maybe the second last Clubland. I think because there was one. There was, I think there was one more afterwards. Anyway, there wasn't that many mm. more left in the series. So. I don't know. I, I, it didn't really phase me too much. It was more just like another stepping stone that was that was good. Um, and I, to be honest, what was more valuable was really just getting like the selfie in the studio <laughs> with stars. <laughs> really, that was like kind of you know that because it was moving into a new era of of like social media. Whereas before, it's mm-hmm. like you know when I was growing up, it's like I'd get a CD and you wouldn't see like what the the people would look like. So if I'm listening yeah. through I'd, to a CD, I'd be like, okay, well you know my favorite producer at the moment is gamma just because mm-hmm. the tracks were the best like it was just all you see is just that one name yeah. so it was kind of moving into a different era where it was and i think it was a bit of a leveler before because going for a cd you, you don't get you don't necessarily see who the different names are so whereas mm-hmm. now it's like a lot of it seeing how many likes somebody gets or it's just a different it's this different landscape so it, i didn't really necessarily get the benefits from being on a club land as mm-hmm. you would have when it was at its peak and also it was only like the one the one well i did get a couple of songs on 
on there, but I think that might have been on the next, the album after, I can't remember. Yeah, I think you're very right. I think music nowadays has changed from being that, like especially the Happy Hardcore. You never knew who was behind it. You never knew what they looked like unless mm. you went to a rave. And even then you were probably a bit yeah. wasted and didn't know what they looked like anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think you are right. It, it has changed. Do you feel that there's a lot of pressure with that to fit moles or to fit... Um, how how do you say it? I think to fit like a certain to constantly change your image, to constantly change your your social media and keep up to date with the likes and the the views and everything like that. And now it's reels. Now it's the whole TikTok thing, and it? it's all about. Yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> do you find yeah, yeah, I find it really really hard. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I don't think I've been that good at um making the most of it. And I think, which is a shame, because I think you know around these times and you know over the last like few years since that Darren Styles thing like I was very good at social media and I think I was a bit earlier than maybe everyone do, doing videos but mm-hmm. but now I do find it like quite overwhelming but like I know a lot of artists do as well so it's not like yeah. anything particularly too too special um mm-hmm. I mean what one thing I do think is a shame is when you get like a sort of a, a sub set of DJs and producers that are more like influencers but that are not really like yeah. making the tracks. They don't necessarily have like the passion for music mm-hmm. or, you know, the, the tracks are made by other people and then the producers that are making them aren't really getting the best deal from it. I do find that sort of stuff is, is unfortunate. But however, I mean, that is, it's, it is kind of, you know, how the industry is. Yeah. You've got to get your music out there. Yeah. You've got to be, people have to hear about it. Um, and But this is why I think having conversations like this are important because it's, this kind of allows people to have a, a bit more of a, a human connection rather than just just what the likes are on yeah. Instagram. Because a lot of it is very distorted as well. I mean, a lot of people don't actually necessarily like like the content they're viewing. Like if you're just seeing like all these all, loads of people having you know a fun holiday or, or whatever it is, it's not it's not actually that entertaining. It's a weird, yeah. So it's, it's a weird. I mean, I, I like to spend not too much time on there really. Yeah, a lot of time when you're liking something, it's just because you feel like you have to. Like, I can think of one example of that today mm. where I liked a post and I'm like, why did I like that post? But I think it was because I thought I, I had to, to sort of say, oh, yeah, you look great. That sort of thing to, to, make, to give. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you, you find yourself thinking, why, why am I liking that? And, and you, you just, it's, it becomes like a zombie kind of thing of scrolling and liking. And yeah, and, yeah it can be quite dis- I mean- soul destroying, I think, as well. Yeah. Uh, the, f- the thing is that that's, that said though, I mean, even just in the last week, I've made some quite good connections on Instagram. Just like you know, one guy that does artwork, I've, I've just clicking like on some of his stuff, looked really good. And then I oh know he'd replied to one of the comments, and then and then I actually looked at how many followers he had. It was it, it didn't actually have that. I thought he would, you know, be quite famous for, for the quality of his artwork. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, he had time to talk, and then we're actually talking about doing. Him, him doing some artwork for me so so that yeah. was cool that was just me yeah. on my phone and then a new design is delivered to me that that's great um so i, I think I, it's got its plus sides as well you know? yeah to be honest i don't think i would have had a music career if it wasn't for social media it, it started mm. with things like myspace and so on and um then people <laughs> and then obviously went on to facebook and so on and i don't think it would be easy for me to like i, I, I mean as for all its flaws and everything you can't deny that yeah. you know even talking to you today the ability to talk to someone from this distance yeah. working around with people all over the world social media really does yeah. help with that but i think yeah you are right it, there is a lot of pressure with it and a lot of pressure to conform and you know create a uh, constantly create a... yeah definitely i mean my thing my kind of solution for it now because i've sort of been through all of that now and now i'm like trying to sort of build, build more of a team mm-hmm. around me so the content can still still go out because i mean i'm still slipping on it though because i had I had a gig on saturday mm-hmm. which was great fun back to back jacoby and then obviously sunday my notification comes up do a post about it but i'm just relaxing i'm chilling out with a girlfriend yeah. got some netflix on there we're just <laughs> chilling and then monday then i'm back in the studio i've got people in you know so it is busy i will do i will do the post but um you know just just yeah. having uh, you know, a bit more of a team around it's good. Yeah, it's, it's making that distinction between having to do it and choosing to do it, I think, as well. Because sometimes I think mm. we just do it constantly, thinking that we have to do it, and really it's more of like, no, hold on a second, I don't have to do this right now. It can wait. And I think that's quite a healthy yeah, way yeah. To, to look on it. Yeah, definitely. Well, I actually had a chat with Joey about this recently as well, and he, he was saying, it's like, look, look, you know, if you find that sort of posting too much is just getting overwhelming, it's just like, look, just focus on stuff that people are going to care about. 
and then make a bit more of a effort of posting that and then you if, if you know but this is why this podcast is like a perfect mm -hmm. thing because you're actually talking about the story behind the tracks yeah and, you know if people think that's interesting i mean i'd find that interesting hearing, yeah. hearing that from like an artist we've had quite a lot of people come back and say that they actually really appreciate being able to listen to this and hear like a different side Wicked. to it all. and i think yeah it really seems to have had an, uh, a, a nice sort of yeah i think it is opening up a new way of people for people to get information and hear things they wouldn't normally yep. hear in a 10 second clip on instagram yeah <laughs> so but then yeah. It, yeah, for sure but then but then also as well it's, it's fun it just gives you stuff to be a fan of as well mm -hmm. because i watch a lot of podcasts on like hip-hop or skateboarding and yeah. there's so much like content to consume as a fan and i think that that's one of the issues that hardcore specifically has had like maybe compared to other dance music genres is just having an, enough quantity of content to to consume and, yeah. and be a fan of so it's hard to do like I, i've wanted to do it as well <laughs> like kind of what you guys are doing setting up like a podcast yeah. like, i would like to do that and then and then fit it in with a few other things but as well but um yeah it's and, time, yeah it? there's a lot of, it's, it's, yeah it's finding time <laughs> and then yeah <laughs> there is that and then making that space for your own life as well which is really important yeah yeah so, yeah you know you're proud of me wish you were still around to see me making it in music becoming the man i want to be and i don't blame you but i wish you could be different i wish i could have saved you but there was more that was missing and i don't blame you but i wish you could be different I wish I could have saved you, but there was more that was missing. We're moving on to the second song now that you chose. It's from your dedicated album, and it's the final song on that album from 2015, and it's I Don't Blame You. Now, I really have to say about this song, I I love this song. It's beautiful. It's so powerful, and it really speaks to me in the way that I have this thing where I say our like UK hardcore as a genre, not just UK hardcore, hardstyle, all EDM genres, have this reputation for being really quite cold with lyrics in the sense that it can especially like the harder styles they can be very like let's go out let's get raven it's all about this we're gonna get wasted it's a good time this song is the absolute opposite of that and it's like you've opened up your heart and told a story and that i think shows talent and real artistry because you know a lot of people would probably say oh no you don't you don't do that with uk hardcore because i know yeah. as a lyric writer i had that a lot of the years oh no we just want something a little bit less lovey-dovey or something you know what i mean mm. and it's but I, i'm, I'm blending on now but basically <laughs> um i really love what you did with this track that you weren't afraid to say i'm gonna write about this and this is gonna be the final song on my album so can you tell us more about that track and where it came from and why you chose to do that and any anything that you struggled with with this song? Yeah, 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 definitely. Well, well, first of all, thank you very much because that, that that means a lot because everything you just said there is like it kind of like why I like that track as well because I, I think that, you know, you, you, there is more space to do stuff with lyrics without having to compromise on it still being like a dance track yeah. or it still being hardcore. I don't think if you want to have a bit like a, a, a edge of seriousness to your music it has to like make it any less of like a, a good beat on it or something i don't mm. i think there's flexibility in hardcore to do to do a lot of stuff with the lyrics as well but not that it needs it as well like a silly lyric is, is fine as well but i mean with, with that chat specifically that that came about um uh so it's so the, the 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 meaning behind it so it's a it's about my dad mm -hmm. um who died when i was about I think 15 or so and and he'd like struggled with his own demons and like al alcoholism and these kind of things so um and you know at the time of the the song like i'd never like particularly like cried about it or, or i'd be i had to like sort of be like kind of the man of the house quite quickly and yeah. you know you know i was still 15 i had like support around me but it was a difficult situation so um there was one time i had like just a piano 
uh, a piano loop down just some chords that I've written and they're kind of like sad like a bit melancholic that sort of thing and then I had like it actually the inspiration for it actually came a little bit from like a WizKid lyric it was that one where like um I remember as a young kid yeah. growing up, you were my friend when things were getting tough. Da, 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 take you away. Yeah. You know the you know the one I mean, yeah, the, the yeah. whiskey one. So anyway, so over the chord, I just remember I, I was kind of like singing that a little bit. And I, like, I remember trying to, and then I was like, and then basically the whole song just just came out like super super quickly. Like it wasn't like I was I was actually writing it. It was more just there was something just in the music that allowed the lyrics just to like flow out very very effortlessly because i think that that was you had something to to say about the whole situation but um it was you know difficult to put it down in down in words but then just through doing it through music that that you know allowed it as a you know a channel for for putting that um that song out there so yeah yeah i mean that was uh yeah I, I'm, I'm very happy with it because it's quite like a, a difficult subject to talk about and then to, to put it into like a, a sort of a concise song where i don't feel there's anything more i have to say but and i, I liked it being the, the last track on the album as well because um i was trying to think of oh, how am i gonna how am i gonna wind up the album because it was already called dedicated anyway but then i quite liked it the last song being sort of essentially dedicated to a family member it kind of made yeah. the whole album go full circle because at first it's like cameras action lights being dedicated to um you, you know doing what you have to do in music and then at the end it's like you know saying your dad you know i wish you could see me doing my thing in music and you know becoming the man that i want to be and you know saying i don't blame you for like falling and and things being difficult for you obviously i wish things could be different but that's yeah (laughs) yeah it's it's beautiful that you feel you're able to that you were able to take something personal and put it in your music and your artistry your your work because a lot of people wouldn't do that it is hard like it, it, I don't want to yeah. yeah like it was it was difficult like it wasn't and and it wasn't like I really sat down to do that as well and I don't think that that's mm-hmm. something really that you can do oh let me just like write a song about something that's really sad or something I think it just has to kind of happen like like naturally um, did you have any doubts when you made the song about letting people hear it or putting it out there or yeah <laughs> yeah yeah definitely definitely yeah um yeah i mean obviously it's a bit of a, like a vulnerable thing i mean there, there was there was one thing that's quite a nice story though so when when i'm uh when i made the riff to the song so originally i wrote the lyric just over the, the piano and i put those sort of like drums in and then also even like ra- kind of rapping on the songs so it's not like i'm like an mc or anything <laughs> like that so it was definitely putting myself in a, in a vulnerable kind of place but yeah. then you, you, you know you, you have to kind of kind of do that it wouldn't really make sense getting somebody else to sing it yeah. It, you know so I kind of have to like just have a go and just do, do my best but I mean the response from it was was good I mean obviously I'm like oh I don't like that bit and people are like oh, it sounds fine so you, you, there, there, there is a bit where you just have to put it out there and and, and have a go of it but um when I wrote, wrote the melody for it as well I was kind of imagining like like sort of the confetti kind of cannons for like when you play it out and then you get like the little bits of paper that come down and then that was kind of what, what I had in my head and then there was one time um performed up in Doncaster it was like a lethal fury live thing and then I remember for, for the, like the second drop on that song they actually shot a cannon with the with like the little wow. things going down so I was like oh that was sick that was kind of because when <laughs> I was writing the melody that's kind of what I wanted those those kind of paper cannons anyway then I come back from from the gig drive all the way back down to Southampton and my, my housemate had, had a gig as well so he, he was still awake um and he said, you know, how's the gig? And I, I told him the stories, oh, you know, I performed the I Don't Blame You song. And then the confetti came down. He's like, oh, you know, wh- what what time do you perform? I was like, oh, like one in the morning. He's like, oh, you know what day it is today? I was like, no. He's like, it's Father's Day. I was like, oh, oh. wow. Okay. So so that was kind of, that was quite a cool. So I get a, get a little goosebumps thinking about that. I'm so about it was to get like, goosebumps. That was a nice, like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's nice. It's, it's beautiful that you had that image in your head when you were creating it of confetti cannons and then it actually happened it's it's like yeah yeah yeah. but then then also as well you know i think there's elements to it as well it's like it's a very sad story but then you can still kind of have the riff that's sad but there's still like Mm. a celebratory element to it so it's still like rising above it and yeah it does i don't think it ends it the the, it's not like the end the album ends and then you're like oh well i feel shit now like it's it's still like you know it's not like it ends on a sad note so yeah I, I mean I can't really say it just kind of happened really I guess I guess but which I think is a good good kind of process to be in when you're trying to create something that you're 
really into as well. It's hard to force it too much. Yeah, and do you get a lot of good feedback from people when you play it out? Is it something that you do get a good vibe it, from? It's not really one I play out because I think, like, I think it, it's one of those ones, it's like, I think if you don't know, maybe I should play it out a bit more. I've, I've performed it a few times. All right. Well. Like, when we've done, like, a live show mm-hmm. or, you know, just to, whenever they, yeah, just kind of, I think I've done that maybe, like, two or three three times like there's one time in australia i played it where i was just like you know what? i'm just gonna sing it like, I might as well because i was like trying to make a you know a bit more of a, a yeah. show playing in a new land kind of thing but but generally i don't i don't really play it because i'm trying to get the maximum like dance floor mm-hmm. kind of i mean maybe i should play it more i don't know i don't know i think it's good to have some live songs and some sort of uh you know crowd pleasing ones as well so yeah absolutely leads us on to your third song which is a more recent one and it's with a korean artist called sefo and the song is called heaven now this is beautiful this is this is my kind of hardcore because it's got i like a vocal that's been i I like it when people do it with my vocals where they just like mix it all up and just make it all sound really cool i really like what you did with this song it's also really cool to see how internationally successful you've been in your career and how big you are in places like LA and Korea and Japan and to have that career there how when did you first start getting into that scene because not everybody goes and and explores those scenes some people sort of just stick with UK or head towards Europe and do a bit of a Dutch hardcore sound whereas you really you've been embraced by the Asian sound, the LA sound. How did how did that happen for you? Um, well, yeah, I mean, I think with, I mean, I've always quite liked Asia, but I mean, I think that the Japan side is a bit different. I mean, the, with the Korea thing, this is like super new because yeah. Japan's kind of had a bit of a hardcore scene for a while and there's been bits going on along in America for a while, but I think Korea's really, really quite new for it. Um, and and it, yeah, the story with that is like just a, a 15 second Instagram video I saw of Sefo play, I and mean, this is, years ago probably four years ago or something now um just him performing in a park in korea just to these like young children they're probably like three or five or something like <laughs> they're young children but he's and he's playing scott brown elysium and you know the da, 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 da. and his performance behind the deck is i might even have a quick look around just find it quickly i'll have a look i'll still keep telling the story but yeah his um his performance behind the decks is just like was amazing like the way that he the energy he brought to the performance even though it's in the middle of the day performing to to children i i kind of thought wow imagine that energy but put on a main stage in miami or one of these big edm festivals that that's like amazing performance what he's doing yeah um and around so so i'd, I'd message him just saying oh you know <laughs> this is cool um and, and i'd done a track at the kind of around that time called you're all that i need so i sent him that track which he started playing out and and the kind of the essence behind when i made the you're all that i need track was uh i wanted it to be like even if i'm playing to a crowd and it's like not many people there it's still like that's you're kind of all the people i need as long as we're enjoying it and we're enjoying this connection through music that's actually all all that you need like and then that can kind of extend to like the friends that you have that's maybe all that you need like just just being happy with kind of the people that are there around you it doesn't have to be the biggest festival Mm -hmm. as long as everyone's into you know the music and everyone's enjoying it that's cool so so i think he kind of connected with that sort of vibe as well he was playing it it's quite a happy melody he started playing it in korea so this was all great i was like okay this is cool he messaged me saying he was coming to uh london to do like this cultural exchange thing and so i was like okay well boom let, let's book a studio studio session and, and, and try and make a song so i think the, the night before i'd kind of worked on some melodies and got kind of the structure of it kind of together because obviously we didn't we only had a few hours to like 
kind of talk ideas and we, we you know I try to learn Korean just mm-hmm. in the week of like just putting on the, the and CD your seal. in my car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. And you're gonna So I mean that that didn't last very long though. Like a week a week of doing that didn't really get me that far. So but anyway, <laughs> we, you know we got the, the track done. Then the next day we went and performed it down in like London London Bridge area. But the set before us was like kind of you know like older ladies with like these kind of flaggy kind of things and then there's like a, a child with like a little drum or something it's just like you know some some traditional dance or whatever and then yeah. we come on and then he's just you know like speaking in korean and doing a set and then we sort of go back to back for a bit and you know it was kind of it was very awkward yeah. but it was you know it's quite funny and, yeah. and it was you know just like a fun a fun day out anyway so so later on that that evening he was like oh you know through the translator said oh i, w- I want to bring you to korea and do a back-to-back set with me at this like festival he's doing so i was like okay well this this has turned out pretty well this is, i'm well up for doing that anyway then covid happened so mm. it wasn't really looking like i could really go and do that and then also he, he had a child as well so yeah. um the plan was i was going to just stay at his house so mm. it, it was kind of looking like it wasn't it, it, you know nothing more was really going to happen with um that career thing but anyway when when christmas came around his kid was like two so, so I, I actually bought him like a like it's kind of like one of these, but it yeah. it lights up and it's like arcade buttons. Because I thought for a kid, that's quite fun because you, you know you can press these buttons and it all lights up, but it's still an actual DJ controller the dad can use. Anyway, so you know it should have cost about eighty quid or whatever, and it cost like three hundred in in like fees or whatever. But anyway, whatever it, it was all done, you know he he gets a present, you know is all quite pleased. Anyway, then then he sends me back like oh, I'll put it on the camera. He sends me back this like map of like basically it's like him as, like, oh wow um, i'm looking at <laughs> a picture of you guys oh my gosh I, i'm so anyone who's listened to this without there, there's no pictures obviously like, <laughs> but there's like a picture of like like several <laughs> and it's Dave, you know that the the picture with David is at the point that what is that that the two fingers? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's like yeah. <laughs> so this is very funny. I was just like yeah, because it, because it's very. I think the designer had done it in his spare time because it was uh obviously the track was was heaven. Can we use that video for like social media? Yeah, yeah. yeah. no, but absolutely. That's amazing that you have that friendship with him. And like I noticed something you said there that you had a translator, so you when you first got to know each other you couldn't even like talk without a translator no it was just it's just just google actually i just uh like google translate or just like emojis really i mean obviously like <laughs> you know when i saw him doing that you know the, the festival like performing in front you know in the park i was just like just you know, some smiley faces and thumbs up and just like wow or something like this you know, it's, well, very, it's very simple you know like that's such a modern like thing you i mean if you had said this to, like 20 30 years ago everyone would be like what do you know what i mean like but to say now that you have a conversation with someone and that doesn't even speak the same language as you but you understand completely because you're just sending emojis back and forward it's like a whole new language yeah. but that's amazing that yeah, you yeah. have created that and then it came out in this song and it's a beautiful beautiful song and oh thank you yeah yeah and i think it's also where you're you're hoping to take your career forward because you've sang to his label yeah. haven't you yeah so 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 this is the thing i mean after it kind of happened very quickly he, he did talk about you know doing some agent work for me just for the asia area so i was like well you know brilliant that just have somebody that could could sort of sort out some gigs over there or, or at least just do be the middleman for, for sorting some things out but basically he, he's then decided to set up this grunt zero company um that's just going from strength to strength to strength to strength mm-hmm. to strength and it's just you know that the things they've got planned over there is just is is enormous and it's great to be like a part of it and you know be producing a, you know a lot of the songs for them so and that was just um yeah just kind of from progression from just seeing his thing on Instagram and then just getting on well and, yeah. you know, playing tracks. But there was never any guessing, oh, um, you know, I could end up going to career. It was all just very, yeah. just out of natural kind of, um, you know, re- appreciating what somebody was doing, doing with music. So, I mean, hope, hopefully next year it really, it really picks up. But I mean, they've got lots of, um, you know, plans for doing festivals. And I, I went over there for three weeks 
and you know we did did so so many shows like water parks and then we're at like a car park like a like a car wash but it was like mm. for supercars but we wow. they you know brought in a sound system there and then yeah. but then it was all ages as well a lot of the events were, were like for younger kids as well mm. um at like one of the water parks that was like that was you know a kids a lot of kids were there as well and then even at the the car wash like at the end we, we, we're like taking photos with like the mums and dads and, <laughs> and the kids were coming up one by one but then his plan is like to get like a new generation of yeah. younger people like into it so i'm just like, oh this is this is great like you don't have to necessarily like if you're making hardcore music you don't have to be thinking of it as like uk hardcore music i mean it's still you know historically will we'll always have come from england and well uk but yeah. it's not do you know what i mean you, you don't have to be limited just to like yeah driving places it's great to see it more international. Yeah. I noticed an interview you did in the past where you talked about moving to LA possibly and it hasn't happened. So, but that's, no, that's it didn't not, happen. Is no. that something that you still think you will do eventually or? So I, I would have, I would have loved to have done that. I, I, I did mess that up because I was trying to do it like too, too like pr properly. Like mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I'm going to get my work visa and you know go over there and, and but it was just I never I didn't get around to doing all of that sort of stuff what yeah. would have been better is if I just went over there and like just I mean like, the thing is yeah. it's, it's bad as well because I even had like a spare room I could have stayed at in, in Long Beach isn't it? so it, it is bad like I should have I should I wish I just got on the the flight and just went and, yeah. but, but then it just wasn't necessarily my path like I wanted yeah. to what's um, for you won't go by you, you sort know. of thing and yeah you know if you had if that had worked out you wouldn't have what you have now with the Korean stuff the pandemic would have came maybe just, not just, exactly yeah. exactly there's there's a there's a lot of that i mean yes i mean also as well i mean that was kind of you know with uh with la i mean there's a lot of opportunities there and i, I did really and i really enjoyed my time there but i think i think sort of korea really seems to be like the upcoming place for yeah. for where dance music is oh, going to be biggest i think um america it has been it is still big there but i think it's i think it's peaked mm -hmm. I don't know if it can get will get bigger from from where it is so it's, it's kind of maybe a bit better to be sort of promoting a bit more in asia and then yeah. hopefully ride the wave there because a lot of it is just you know there's a lot of people who are good at making music and yeah. you know it's just about being part of like a bit of a wave where you can kind of be, yeah. at, be at the top of the scene for a bit um and just doing what you love as well because you, you do love this it shows in your passion for how you talk about your music oh, and so on you can just tell that it's something that you really love and it is who you are really and so yeah so what does yeah. the future hold for alex prospect where do you see yourself in 10 years time <laughs> blonde hair again are we, are we going to go blonde again do you think no no i'm not going to so I, I, I quite like the blonde yeah but i mean 100 there was one time i was going to redo it and then 100 percent of people were like don't do it so i was like <laughs> okay well i won't do it then yeah it's hard well let's be fair if you go blonde it is hard work i mean especially if you have really dark hair the roots come in really fast so, mm. <laughs> so it's hard work yeah yeah maybe just stay like red red's quite a good color well, those stars stars has gone blonde again so yeah so you know yeah maybe we'll see but, i mean one, one of the things i would like to do in in the future i, I was planning on doing this like soon but I, I think i think it's gonna have to be a bit later on basically i want to open my own skate park called that will be called cool. dedicated as well and then that wow. will be double up as a music venue as well so wow. yeah it's, it, I like, I'm, I'm talking to like business mm. people and trying to get some investment behind it and actually make it happen but i don't think i can do this at the moment because i'm still trying to focus on the music side of yeah. it as well and i think it, you know if i have to go and do a big tour in asia or something it's gonna be hard to like run a skate park in the uk but uh, that, that is if we're talking 10 years then i'll have enough time to do that so eventually have my own skate park where i can have a dj booth in there as well so i can kind of like mentor or not even mentor but like provide a platform for like upcoming producers and, and djs yeah. to they can like play at the skate um mm -hmm. like perform at the skate park also um you know have a company that's like putting out music and doing some you know working within skateboarding as well mm. and um can do venues there as well so that that would be my ultimate aim because a lot of i think a lot of djs when they kind of retire or whatever they'll they'll buy like bars or yeah. restaurants and things but i wouldn't really i'd rather like invest into like a, a music venue or or that's actually a really brilliant idea because you are right so many people just go to oh, ibiza and buy a bar but i think that idea that you said there i mean you if you can it's yeah, great <laughs> exactly but i think what you said there about combining 
the idea of skateboarding, which is a passion you've clearly talked about having, and your music, and then helping an emerging group of people come forward and explore their passions. I think that that's a really, really admirable thing to do. It's a brilliant business idea. Mm-hmm. And if there's anyone who wants to give Alex Prospect lots of money to make it happen, <laughs> there he is. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, hopefully, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to look into like what kind of funding thing, things are about because I think there are like grants and things for, yeah. for like if you're providing something for younger people. Go on Dragon's Den, that sounds like a brilliant idea. I'd be really surprised. Yeah, the, if the thing is there. with Dragon's Den though, that they, they'll want to know like how much money is it making. And I yeah. think you want to, I'd want to keep it like quite lean. Because the thing is I'd like to have it so like whatever money it made was, cause could be like reinvested into it in yeah. a good way. But then I don't know, business, business and like the creative side is a very different, diff, like, yeah, it's hard. I'm aware it's like different skills, and I, I've got to know. And I'm sure me and you will be very similar in terms of like we're good with the ideas. Oh, I've got this great idea for a new podcast or a radio show, but is you know it's great to have people around that can actually make sure it's 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 all done on time. Yeah, I use this studio in Glasgow, the green room um, in Glasgow. I use that because literally, like, I have the idea. And I'm like, yeah, we're going to do a podcast. Yeah, but actually, like, yeah, okay, how do I do that? <laughs> okay, what do I use to talk to producers? How do we get it on all the platforms? And uh, you are absolutely right. It's a creative yeah. thing. We have creative minds, but the actual business side yes. of it, yes, is... and it's a different skill set for. Yeah, yeah, it's a different skill set. So I think there is a bit of being being humble about it and also just getting some more music out like I, I have I have another album that I've, I've done um oh. but I I have to get it so it gets released and it does really really well because yeah. it's a shame to make music where it doesn't like not as many people hear it as yeah. as as you like so I'm trying to figure out how to do that whether dropping it as an album is like the best thing to do or whether I have to like try and just get a single that becomes popular and then mm drop the album off the back of it and then it's like do I do it independently or with try and do it with a major so I've got a few things that I have to like figure out like these sort of things but but obviously as soon as I get something set in stone I, you know I'd love to come back on the show and yeah talk about it then. yeah definitely I would I would welcome you absolutely because you've been fascinating oh, to listen you. to I've actually really enjoyed playing oh, awesome. with you. thank you yeah, I've really enjoyed it as well, yeah. You, you sound like you're a busy, busy guy. So, yeah, and it's good to hear how much you've achieved and how much you also want to achieve. And, you know, one day you might just see yourself inviting Calvin Harris to a set at that skate park of yours. So. Uh, yeah, that would be, yeah, done at the skate park. That would be cool. That would be cool. Do all that manifestation stuff yeah, and everything, yeah. and it, well, you never know. So, yeah, it's been great to chat to you. Thank you for yeah. coming and sharing your greatest beats. Yes, you too. Thank you, Ellie. This has been Greatest Beats. I hope you've enjoyed the show. And if you have, don't forget to share and subscribe and tell your friends. Let them know we're here. I'm Ellie. It's been great having you. Join me next time for another three Greatest Beats.